Well, my name's Clayton Walker. If we've never met before, I'm the uh, pastor here of the City Church. And we started this church two years ago this next week, August of 2018. And check this out. We don't really ever talk about uh, numbers very much, but on days like this, we like to celebrate uh, what God has done and is doing. And so in two years, we have seen 1,167 people give their lives to Jesus. Is that not incredible? That's amazing. We've seen 230 people get baptized and go public with their decision to follow Jesus. We have started what we call Hope City, which is our uh, church, our campus that meets inside Lubbock County Detention Center and the CRTC that's right across the street. And between that church, we've got like four or five services uh, that meet at that facility with over 200 men that normally join us uh, for worship and for the same message that you guys get. And then we've seen a lot of those. In fact, some of you are here today. Some of them are volunteering right now. Uh, some of those guys have gotten out and gotten baptized here and serving here and seeing their whole lives uh, changed as a result of what has been happening uh, through Pastor Fred's leadership at, at Hope City. And so we're thankful for that. We've got local mission partners here like One Voice Home you heard about earlier that's ministering uh, to victims of sex trafficking that we've been able to help uh, get started and is starting very soon. We've been able to help Open Door, which is a local ministry here in town that's helping the homeless get off the streets for good and giving them job training and job skills and all kinds of different things that they're providing uh, for the homeless population in our city. We've got foreign mission partners that we support uh, through Harvest Evangelistic Association that we've been able to support and give to over the last couple of years. Uh, this ministry is based in Southern Mexico, but it's got a church planning movement happening in seven, eight countries around the world. And they've seen uh, a couple of million people give their lives to Jesus over the last 20 plus Years. We've been able to help Asian Partners International, which is based in India, that has seen a church planning movement in North India explode over the last 20 years, resulting in over 20 million people giving their lives to Jesus in Northern India. We support three different missionaries in Thailand. And so we, we've been able to do these things over the last couple of years because of you, because of your time and effort and money, your investment in this church. And God has blessed that and he has done so much. And so I just want to say thank you to every one of you who have come, who have volunteered, who have given, uh, who have sacrificially given, even in hard times over the last few months. Uh, I want to say thank you to every single one of you that have made the last two years possible. I've been just so overwhelmed uh, this past week at the goodness of God and how he has protected us and provided for us uh, over the last couple of years and all the great things that he has done. And so thank you. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever said to yourself, man, I should have seen that coming. Like I really, I should have seen that coming. That was clear. That was obvious. Maybe it was a, uh, in a job situation with how you were performing or a place that you ended up working and it didn't go out, go, go so well. And you're thinking, man, I should have seen that coming. Maybe it was in a relationship, whether it's a friendship or a dating relationship or in a marriage situation. And you say to yourself, man, I should have seen that coming. I wish I would have seen that coming. I should have seen that coming. Maybe it's with a, a child or a friend that you see living in a certain way. And, and you're saying, man, I wish they could have seen that coming. I, I could see it, uh, but they're, they're not seeing it. Maybe it was with something 
you bought. You know, they say you get what you pay for, right? And so maybe you bought something, it was cheap, it was inexpensive, and you thought, man, I'm gonna get this cheap version of it uh, instead of spending all the money on the expensive version of it. And then you get it and you're like, I, I should have seen that coming. Something happened to me like that a couple of months ago. Uh, it's quarantine and I'm looking for, you know, something to clean off my patios and my porches because I like clean things. And so in, in a quarantine time that just got like infinitely worse. And so I'm cleaning every little thing in, in our house and I'm buying stuff, all this stuff to, to clean my house better. And so I, I see this ad on Instagram, right? And uh, it's for this attachment to your hose that will turn your hose into a power washer. So you don't have to go spend a couple of hundred dollars like on a real power washer. You can get this $8 attachment for your hose and it will turn it into a great power washer. And so, uh, you know, the Instagram and Facebook ads are like the new, you know, home shopping network or something. And so I, I buy this thing. Well, a couple of months later, because it came from China, like on a boat or a ferry or something, I don't know, it took forever. And so I finally get it. I get it out of the package. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot I even bought this. And then I get it out, this $8 attachment to my hose. I put it on my hose. I'm playing with it. In less than a minute, I had broken this thing. That's how cheap it was. And I'm saying to myself, I should have known, right? I should have seen this coming. I got what I paid for. Same thing happened to me a couple months ago with my car. I've got an old 15 year old Tahoe. The seats are kind of falling apart. And the guy that works on my car is like, Clayton, it's not even worth it to buy new seats or to recover these seats. He said, so just get some seat covers. And I thought, okay. So I go on Amazon. I find these black seat covers, you know, that, that, that I buy, I purchase. I get the cheapest ones I can find. They're just plain and simple black. And I get them in, I put them on my chairs and come to find out because I didn't do the work beforehand to study this and to figure this out. I think I'm just, what's the difference? I'm just buying a seat cover and I'm getting the cheapest seat cover I can find right? It, surely it's going to work. And then I stretch this thing out and I get it over my, my chairs. And then I, I realized that, you know, the Tahoes in, in that year uh, had the seat belts in the arm and not on the side of the car. And so I've just covered my seat belts up with my new seat cup, cheap seat covers that don't have a hole in the, in the, in the arm where the seat belt's supposed to come out. And so I've got to get a razor blade now and cut a little slit in the seat cover for my seat belt to come out because I didn't do the work to find out the exact seat cover I needed and I just got the cheapest thing I could find. And I do this and I realize, I start to think to myself, I should have seen that coming. Maybe you've said that to someone else or maybe someone that has said that to you, right? You should have seen that coming. Now don't look at your wife, guys. Don't, wives, don't look at your husbands right now, you know, anything like that. Don't look at your parents right now because it's normally those are the people that say that to you, right? Your parents or your spouse. You really should have seen that coming. Why didn't you see that coming? You should have seen that coming, right? I mean, we say that, right? And, and, and what is it about outsiders, like other people that can see what we can't see? What, what, is it, what, what is it about this that you can see a direction in someone's life that, that they can't see? Why, why is that? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to see what other people are seeing? The, you should have seen that coming. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to see that? You know, I think one of the reasons we, we typically do this is because we don't typically see our daily decisions as reflecting the direction of our lives while others do. And so they'll say things to us like, watch out, or if you keep doing that, then you're not gonna like where you find yourself, right? 
Or they'll say things like, you're going to regret that. You see, outsiders see our decisions, our daily decisions as reflecting a direction that we're headed. And so your parents, if you're in college or high school, whatever, they'll see someone you're dating and they don't approve. Why? Because their decisions maybe aren't reflecting or showing that they're headed in a good direction. And so they don't want you tied to someone who's a sinking ship, right? And who's not headed in a good direction. We see decisions in others as reflecting the direction of their life. We don't see that typically in ourselves. We normally see our daily decisions in our own lives as just a diversion. I'm heading this direction. This decision over here is just a diversion. It's kind of like my wife saying, hey, Clayton, when I was gaining a lot of weight 10 years ago, and she's saying, hey, if you would stop drinking like 10 Route 44 Dr. Peppers a day and eating cheese fries four or five times a week, you probably wouldn't be gaining all this weight, right? She's saying, you should have seen this coming because you're drinking this much Dr. Pepper and you're eating all these cheese fries. And I'm just thinking, no, that's a, that's a diversion from the direction of my life. Those aren't decisions that are heading me or keep making me go in a different direction. Those are just, a, that's just a diversion. Other people always see our daily decisions as a direction. We typically see them as a diversion. Wouldn't it be nice to know the future? Like to know the, the final destination. Like, wouldn't it be nice to know how to get that job that you want? Maybe if you're not married, that the spouse that you want. Maybe the promotion that you want. Maybe just peace and joy instead of the chaos that's been going on in your life. Maybe to be a great parent, to fix a broken relationship. Maybe a financial situation. Wouldn't it be nice to like know the the outcome, the way things are going to end up. And back to the future part two, which is kind of the theme of this series where we got the idea from. And back to the future part two, uh, Michael J. Fox, Marty goes to the future, right? In the DeLorean. And if you've seen the movie, then maybe you know what that is. It's a flux capacitor. And if you're like, what is a flux capacitor? It's probably because you were born after the year 2000 and you don't know what a flux capacitor is. But if you've watched the Back to the Future series, you know what the flux capacitor is. Okay. It's what makes the DeLorean go into the future or into the past. And so Marty McFly uh, gets in the DeLorean. He goes to the future. He sees, if you remember Back to the Future part two, he sees his life. He sees his marriage. He sees his kids. And he's like, I've got to do something to fix this because my life's a wreck in the future. And so he comes back to his present day, right? In 1985. Some of you have no idea what, like what 1985 is. You're, you you know, born in 2000, you know, our college students that are coming in now were born after the year 2000. It's crazy to me, but, but, but that's just the truth. And, and so back in 1985, Marty McFly decides, Hey, I'm going to make some different decisions why? So that I don't end up in a future I don't like. And so in this series, that's what we're talking about. How do we end up in a future that we like? How do we get on the right track to the right future? The Bible says we can actually predict our future. And if you're like, what? I've never read that. What are you talking about? Well, turn with me to Matthew chapter seven. If you don't have your Bible, uh, the verses will be on the screen here in just a second. This is also a great time to jump on our app. 
And if you don't have it, it's the City Church Lubbock. You can download it in your app store and the verses and the points will be there. You can even fill in the blank as you go with the words that are on screen that are in all caps. And you can just have a little fun getting right and wrong, right and wrong answers. And you can cheat on your neighbor if you don't know the right answer. Uh, but that'll help you remember and stay engaged in what we're talking about. And there's even little text box now on there where you can enter in your own comments and then email yourself your notes when you're done. But let's go. Jesus says there are two different tracks to the future. And he tells us what each of these tracks hold and how we can experience the right track to the right future. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24, Jesus says this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it. So you've got, you, you need to listen to me and follow what I tell you. So it's not just reading it. It's not just hearing it. You, you, you listen, you, you read my word, my, my teachings, and you follow them. Like you live it out. You put them into practice. It's not enough just to hear something. It's not enough just to have a, a great experience here today and think, oh man, that was a great message. And I'm sure you're going to tell me that on the way out. It, was, it wasn't a bad message, right? You're going to say, man, that was amazing. The best message I've ever heard, right? And, and so you're going to say, man, this was great. This was awesome. Okay. That, that is not enough. And that's not even the goal of why I'm here or I do what I do is for you to say, hey, that was a great message because that's really meaningless if you don't put it into practice, if you don't live it out. Jesus says, you got to listen to my teaching and follow it. And that person is wise. What's a wise person like? Jesus says a wise person is a person who builds a house on solid rock. Why is that important? Because Jesus says, though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Jesus said, there are storms coming. Things may be okay now. And not many of us would probably say that at the moment, but things might be okay now. But Jesus is saying, today's weather isn't going to be tomorrow's weather. Jesus promises, in this life, you will have many troubles. Things aren't gonna be hunky-dory in Pleasantville just because you give your life to me. That, that, that's not what's going to happen. Jesus promises you're going to have troubles in this life. The rains are going to come. The floods are going to come. Jesus says, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds their house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Two different tracks to the future. Two different futures. The house that's built on solid foundation that can withstand the storm versus the house that is built on sand that will not stand the test of the storm. You see, here's what you've got to understand. You are building a house, make no mistake. Every last one of us, whether you're five or 50, you're building a house. Every single day with every decision you make, you're building a house. Your decisions aren't diversions from the direction of your life. No, your decisions are forming a direction and they are building for you a house. The question is, do you like that house or not? Are you building the right house that will stand the test of time and will stand the test of the storm. If you grew up in church, you, you sang a song that illustrates this, right? If you remember it, the wise man built his house upon the rock, right? Some of you know, okay, sing it with me. The wise man, 
Oh, you sang. Oh, I didn't expect that. The, the nine o'clock didn't really sing with me. All right, let's sing it. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And then what happens, right? And the rains came down and the floods came up. Some of you are like, you weird church people. I knew you guys were weird. <laughs> Listen, it's a song we learned we grew up to help us remember this story. Jesus is saying here, listen, the assumption of the fool, the fool makes this assumption that today's weather is going to be tomorrow's weather. But the rains came down, the floods came up. And we get this in West Texas, right? We get this in Lubbock. The weather changes multiple times in a day. We get all four seasons in one day, right? And so we don't even assume that this morning's weather is going to be this afternoon's weather. We don't ever make that assumption. If you live in West Texas and you make that assumption, you're a fool, right? I remember growing up here, I was in high school or college. I went in in the middle of April to movie 16 to watch a movie in shorts and a t-shirt. And I came out and there was snow all over the ground. Like, where did this come from? All right. It's Lubbock. It's West Texas. If you grew up here 20 years ago, before the drainage system was fixed, when we had flash floods, it wasn't just a street. It was like whole sections of the city were underneath water. If you went to South Plains Mall after a flash flood in five minutes, that whole parking lot could have been filled with water and turned into a lake with a mall in the middle of it. You'd have to take a canoe to the front door. That's how fast the weather can change here and things can flood. And Jesus is saying, listen, the same thing is true in life. And you're either building a house that can withstand the changing weather you're building a house that will collapse under the changing weather. Have you ever built anything? I, I try not to, because <laughs> that's not really my forte. I'm not really a, a builder. I'm not, I don't really build things, all right? And so I usually am asking like Brandon and Mark to come help me do something or, or my father-in-law to, to do something with this, you know, and I tell them, hey, can you come help me? But then it's just really me kind of watching and saying, oh, is that how you do that? Is that right? Okay, that, oh, that, that makes sense, you know, because I'm not a builder. Well. A couple of months ago, again, during the quarantine, we decided we need to get a trampoline so that my kids don't stay inside and watch TV and play video games all day. So, so we got a trampoline. And so I ordered this trampoline and I like for things when I buy them or when I order them to just spring out of the box together, right? I would, that's, that's my preference. And so I get this trampoline and it's just filled with parts and I lay it out all over my, my backyard and I get this manual. It's like an encyclopedia of how to put this thing together. It took me all day. Like I'm saying literally eight hours. Like it took me all day to put this trampoline together. It was hard. It's hard to build things. It's not easy. A couple months ago, again, I was installing this new TV stand to hold my TV and we're mounting it to the ceiling and I don't know how to do that. And so I asked Mark to come over and Mark helps me mount this pole into a stud in my ceiling to hold this TV. And then he's like, Hey, peace, dude, I'm out. And I'm like, what? And he takes off and I'm left to do the rest. And so I'm looking at the directions and putting, you know, putting this thing together. My wife's helping me and my, my son's helping me, you know, lift this TV up and we get it. We spend all this time doing this. We put the TV on and we look up and like, it's finished. And she's like, my wife's like, Hey, why are all those bolts and wires still exposed? Is there a cover for that? Oh yeah. It's sitting right here. Oh, well, can you put the cover on? Uh, well, we'd have to take the whole thing apart and back down again if we want to put the cover on. She's like, well, have fun with that because I don't want those bolts and those wires being used. So I had to take the whole thing apart just to put this cover on, put the cover on, and then we put it all back together. I'm not good 
at building things, at following the directions. But I need directions if I'm going to build something because I don't know what I'm doing. Jesus says the foolish man thinks he can do what he wants. He can build whatever he wants, however he wants, and nothing will happen. You see, what you've got to understand about the foolish man here is Jesus is saying the foolish man who builds his house on the sand is trying to do it the quick way. He's trying to do it the easy way. And the foolish man thinks he can build a house in a quick and easy way and there will be no consequences. I mean, you can imagine, right, when the foolish man, when his house collapses and he's looking at the wise man's house that's still standing. And this is what we do a lot of times. The foolish man looks at the wise man and says, oh, his house is standing because he's rich. He has money. That's why his house stayed up. I don't have money. He's got money and that's, that's why his house is still standing. Or maybe it's because the wise man's smarter than me. I'm not smart enough. The wise man was smarter than I am. The wise man is so lucky. He's so lucky his house is standing. Or maybe the, the foolish man would look at the wise man. Maybe you've said this before. Well, it's because God doesn't love me. The wise man's house is still standing because God loves him. But my house isn't standing because God doesn't love me. And Jesus is saying, no, no, that's not the reason the wise man's house is standing. What Jesus wants us to understand is that the wise man built. That's a hard, difficult process. The wise man understands there's a process here. You don't just get to order whatever seat cover you want and think it's going to fit your chair and the seat belt's going to work. You, it's a process. You've got to know what you're doing and how to do it. The wise man understands that today's weather will not be tomorrow's weather. You see this sermon that Jesus is giving is taking place near the sea of Galilee. That's the setting. And there was a sand, an alluvial sand that would kind of rest on the seashore and it was hard on the surface during the hot summer months. The wise builder though would not be fooled by this, not be fooled by the surface conditions, the way things just look on the outside. And so he would dig down sometimes 10 feet below the surface sand to bedrock and that's where the wise man would start the foundation for his house. And when the winter rains came, causing the Jordan River that was pouring into the Sea of Galilee to overflow its banks. The houses that were built on this alluvial sand surface would have an unstable foundation. But the houses that were built on the bedrock would be able to withstand the floods. And it was interesting, in the 1970s, they did some excavations around that area. And sure enough, they found down below the surface, there was basalt stone bedrock. And so the audience of Jesus' day, you gotta understand, would readily, quickly understand the meaning intended of this story that Jesus is saying. They would understand that the foolish person was the person who would choose to do things the easy way, that wouldn't build on bedrock, that would assume their decisions today wouldn't affect tomorrow. The wise man understands that building on bedrock is the time way. It's the expensive way. It's the complicated way. It's the way that's going to take hard work. It's going to take commitment. There's not a quick and easy fix to this. That's what the wise man understands. So the bad news this morning is if you've experienced a collapse in any area of your life or maybe just in life in general, there is not a quick and easy fix. 
You can't just show up to church for one hour and get a quick, easy fix for the problems that are in your life. There are no quick and easy solutions to your problems. And there's no quick and easy way to build a solid house that will withstand the storm and the test of time. You're not a car, you're not a computer. We have memories, our decisions have consequences. We can overcome them, but we can't fix it like it never happened. To fix something means to, or imply to fix it like it was new, to fix it like it never happened. When you're lost, you don't get a solution or an easy fix. You need new directions. You've gotta understand where you are. You gotta know where you wanna go. And then you need new directions. So if you're experiencing a collapse, a crash in any area of your life, there's not a quick fix. You've gotta start building differently. You've gotta start making some different decisions because your decisions, your daily decisions are not a diversion from the direction of your life. No, your daily decisions are impacting and determining your destination. So watch this. Here's what I think Jesus wants us to understand today. Direction is the greatest indicator of your destiny. You want to get on the right track to the right future, a solid life, building your house on the rock to withstand the storm. You've got to understand this, that your direction is the greatest indicator of your destiny. Jesus knows this, your past is connected to your present and your present is connected to your future. And so Jesus, watch this, is inviting you to a new direction. Not a quick and easy fix, not a Band-Aid, not showing up for an hour, maybe even one time a month. Those are quick and easy fixes. You've got to start building your life in a completely different way. And so in this series, here's what we're talking about. All throughout this series, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the principle of the path. The principle of the path, the way, the road, the track. And a principle is something that happens to you. It's experienced more than it's discovered. You recognize a principle and you can leverage it to your benefit or you can ignore it to your demise and your destruction. Let me give you an example. Archimedes' principle of buoyancy. He explained why certain things sink and other things float. He explained something that had always been the case. He didn't discover something, some sort of new system. No, he discovered a system, a principle that had always been in place and he explained it. And with this principle of buoyancy, you can leverage it or you can ignore it. If you leverage it, you get to go on things like cruises and boats and go fishing and swim. If you ignore it, you drown. If you ignore the principle, it's to your own destruction. A principle is something that happens to you. So what's the principle of the path? The principle of the path is that your direction determines your destination. Your direction always determines 
your destination. You can leverage this principle to your benefit and build your house on the solid rock, or you can ignore it to your demise, build your house on the sand and watch your life or an area of your life collapse. Is your heart ever broken for someone who's headed in the wrong direction? Like maybe the way they're doing in school, they're getting bad grades, skipping class. You can tell they're headed in a wrong direction educationally, or maybe with their health, you can tell that the decisions they're making, they're, they're heading in a wrong way, or maybe the marriage. You look at your friends or your family's marriage and you can tell it's headed in a wrong direction. Maybe it's with a job, like you see a coworker, you can tell they're, they're not performing, they're not doing well, they're, they're headed in a wrong direction. Maybe it's a financial situation, someone's drowning in debt or they can't pay their bills and your heart breaks for their direction. Maybe it's your kids. And you look at their life and you look at the decisions they're making and your heart breaks over the direction that they're headed. You want what's best for your kids. And so your heart breaks when you see them headed in a wrong direction. Maybe it's a a friend or a child's or a family member's dating relationship and you see someone they're dating and you know they're not good for them. You see them making bad decisions together and not doing things God's way and your heart breaks for that person that's headed in a wrong direction. I want you to know this morning that your heavenly father's heart breaks for you when you're headed in a wrong direction. His heart breaks for you. When you're headed in a wrong direction, God's not saying, oh, look, I I told you so. You should have seen that coming. No, his heart is broken over the direction of your life. And Jesus said this, There are two paths, two tracks. The wide track, the wide road, is a road that most people are on, but it's headed to destruction. And then Jesus said there's a narrow path that leads to life. And Jesus said very few people are on this narrow road that leads to life, the narrow path. And here's what you've got to understand about the paths. You're on one or the other. You're not at some fork in the road in some neutral position, just not making a decision. No, every last one of us in this room are on one or two paths. You're on the wide path, the wide road that Jesus said that leads to destruction, eternity, separated from God in a place called hell. Or you're on the narrow road that leads to abundant life and eternal life with God in heaven one day. You're on one or two paths. There's no fork in the road that you're standing before in some sort of neutral place. You're either on the wide road that heads to destruction or the narrow path that leads to life. You're on one or the other. And sometimes as Christians, we find ourselves even diverting from the narrow path and we start to make decisions that are harmful to us. And we start to experience even just the temporary consequences and destruction that can come from making those kinds of choices. And it's like we start to veer off the the narrow path path. Here's what you've got to understand. If you're on the wide road that's leading to destruction, 
because you've never given your life to Jesus and Jesus says, I'm the gate that leads to the narrow path that leads to life. If you're on the wide road that leads to destruction and you are on that path, if you've never given your life to Jesus, that's the road that you're on. If you've never given your life to Jesus. Jesus says, what awaits you is death, destruction for eternity. Eternity separated from God in a place called hell. You see, when you break man's law, you pay man's fine. When you break God's law, you pay God's fine. And God's fine for sin is eternity separated from him in a place called hell. But the great news is that God loves you. God loves you. And he wants you to have abundant life and eternal life with him in heaven. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay the fine for our sin. And so the scripture says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you give your life to Jesus and, and you go to that narrow path and you go through the narrow gate that Jesus says is me. I'm the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way to the narrow path that leads to life. You give your life to me. Your sin is completely forgiven because your fine's been paid for. You're right with God and you can know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven, when you give your life to Jesus. But the great news is that Jesus, after he died on that cross three days later, he rose from the grave. And so he conquered sin on the cross. He conquered death at the resurrection. And so that's why Jesus said, you believe in me, the resurrection and the life. Then even though you die, you will live forever with me. Because I conquered your sin, I conquered death. You give your life to me, you can conquer sin. You can conquer death itself. But Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. You don't get to heaven except through me. You see, Jesus wasn't just a, a good, nice teacher. Jesus really didn't leave us with that option. He's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord and he's right. He is the way to heaven. There's no other option. And those that are on the narrow path that lead to life say, Jesus is Lord. I, I believe he is the way to heaven. He's the way to be right with God. And so I'm giving my life to him. If you've never made that decision before, I want you to know today is your Day. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. Today is your day to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Get off the wide road that's headed for destruction, eternity separated from God and hell. Get on the narrow road that leads to life. And the way you get on that road, that narrow road that leads to life, that very few people are on, by the way, Jesus says, you've got to give your life to me. I'm the gate to the narrow path that leads to life. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I wanna challenge you, today is your day. Jump on our app, fill out the connect form, check that box that says, I'm committing my life to Christ. So that we can know about your decision to give your life to Jesus today. Because see, here's the thing. It's not some magic prayer. There's not some magic incantation with the right words that you can say for your sin to be forgiven and for you to be made right with God. We kind of grow up hearing some of those things. Hey, if you just pray this prayer, then you will be right with God. No, the invitation is not pray this prayer. The invitation is not repeat these words in some rote or mechanical way and somehow that will make you right with God. It's not a magic spell. The invitation isn't even fix yourself clean yourself up, do better and try harder. That's not the invitation. I will say that every single week, 
do not ever leave here thinking I'm gonna do better and I'm gonna try harder this week. That's not the invitation. The invitation, Jesus says, is to follow me. Your new direction is a new relationship. The rock that you're gonna build your life on is a person. It's a relationship. It's not doing better and trying harder. It's follow me, follow me and build your life on me. It's a person. So the invitation this morning is not fix it. It's not do better. It's follow me. A new path, a new direction. And so here's what we're saying in this series. Your decisions today are determining your destination. Your decisions today, they're not a diversion from your direction. No, your decisions today are determining the direction of your life and the direction is determining your destination. A little over two years ago, summer of 2018, God gave me a vision. He gave me a picture of a new destination, starting a new church. And anytime you're faced with a new destination, just like I'm giving you this morning, in every area of your life, a new destination, it means going a new direction, which requires different decisions. And those decisions always mean getting uncomfortable. They always mean stepping out in faith because you're stepping into something you haven't done before or in a way of doing things you've never done them before. And so when we started this church, it meant I had to do some things I had never done before, like, like raise money and form a a staff and recruit a a core team to to launch this thing. And so I was doing things I had never done before. They were all very uncomfortable for me, but they were things that you have to do in order to start something new. I had to make different decisions, new decisions that I'd never made before to head in this direction, to fulfill this destination that I felt like God was calling me to. But make no mistake, anytime there's a new destination, a new direction, it requires new decisions, new daily decisions. And those decisions, listen, will always be uncomfortable. They aren't going to be easy. It's not easy to dig down 10 feet to bedrock. This isn't going to be easy. You don't just show up for an hour, one Sunday a month or one Sunday a year and think that you're gonna arrive at a different destination. It's going to take getting uncomfortable. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take time. It's going to take a different way of thinking, living, talking, believing. And to step out in faith into those uncomfortable things that maybe you've never done before. To get on a different track, it's going to take trust. And that's at the core of what we're talking about today. It's going to take trust. You're going to have to trust that Jesus's way is best because he wants what's best for you. The new track is going to take a new trust. Trusting in Jesus, that his way is better than your way. That I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get to where I wanna go, but Jesus, you know where I need to be. 
You know how I need to get there. And so I'm trusting in you. That's why I'm going to listen to your teaching and do what it says. I'm going to do things your way. I'm going to trust that your way is best and that you want what's best for me. A new track to a new future is going to take trust. So let's pray. God, I pray that right now you would fill our hearts with trust, whether we know you or we don't, whether we've never been in church in all of our lives, or this is the, we've been here every week of our life. God, I I know that a new direction is going to take trust. And so God, I pray that right now in this moment, you would fill our hearts with trust, that Jesus's way is the best way. You would fill our hearts with trust that Jesus want what's best for us. He's not trying to steal our joy or keep us from having fun. He's not trying to keep us in line by following a bunch of rules. He He wants what's best for us. And so God, in this moment, fill our hearts with trust. And God, I pray that we would be like the wise man who listens to your teaching and obeys it, that we might build our house on the rock. God, help us to not be arrogant this morning, thinking that maybe we, because we've done things our way, that everything's gonna be okay. Help us not be arrogant, assuming that today's weather is going to be tomorrow's weather. God, let us humble ourselves and say, God, I don't know the way but you do. And so I trust in you and I give my life to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.